With a word that reflects heaven's heart, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Evangelism. Everything that we do here, we have to ask ourselves, how will this win a person to Jesus Christ? How will this build a believer up and disciple them in Jesus? How will this motivate and stir people up to go out for Jesus? And if we can't answer those questions, why are we doing it? Why is it a part of our lives? We live and we breathe. The heart of God is our heartbeat. He sent Jesus Christ to the earth to save souls. This is amazing grace. It's been said, God has a soft spot for broken things. There's sure a lot that's broken in our world, but whether it's individuals or governmental authorities, God can fix it. That comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been learning about the role of government and our involvement with it. Here now to conclude this essential activity we began to hear about last time is Pastor Ed in Romans 13. What a blessing to know that the police officers in our own church among us are ministers of God in our city, caring and protecting. Be sure to thank God for them. Be sure in your prayers to pray for them. I mean, even if you meet one with flashing red lights behind you, (laughs) pull over and take it. Sign it. Don't put up a fight. Most likely, you deserved it. See, we so quickly get in the flesh. None of us want a ticket, I know. But the answer is not to get upset at the officer. The answer is to follow the law. I mean, think of it this way. Let's pull back a little bit. What if we didn't have traffic laws and officers enforcing them? What would life be like then? (laughs) It would be crazy. I mean, let's just say in the context of our service right now that all of a sudden, just crazy, all the red lights, everything, all the laws went away and there's not an officer on the street. You know what? We probably wouldn't make it home, man. Like something would happen. And so when you think of, when you think of officers, even if you happen to meet one pulled over on the side of the road, you can use that as an opportunity. Remember, our responsibility here on the earth is evangelism, nothing else to see people get saved and brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to use the life that we have, our redeemed life, to pour into an unredeemed life that prayerfully they'll get redeemed, man. They'll get saved. And so say you are pulled over, you can say, hey, you know, thank you for pulling me over. Did you know you're a minister of God? (laughs) And just take out your Bible, open to Romans 13, have a little Bible study right there. It says, you're a minister of God. You're, thank you for protecting. Thank you for allowing God to use you to putting your life on the line so my kids can play safely, I can drive safely. Thank you. Changes your whole perspective. The Bible says they're ministers of God. We need to pray for them. We need to pray and thank God for them. Thanking them because, you know, they're protecting us. I, I know I know there are times where it's very easy to say, well, you know, I got a, I got a bad, a raw deal here. I, you know, that, that's f- so few and far between. Let God heal your heart over that. 
Not to change your heart toward not being submissive anymore. Not to change your heart for not being subjected to the authority. Not changing your heart where you're resistant. Things happen. Sometimes bad things happen to Christians doing the right thing. But don't let that harden your heart toward those in authority. Thank God for them because God uses them. Now, before we leave verse 4, I want you to see something. We're not going to go into it in depth because we have in other places, but in verse 4 it says, right there in the middle, for he does not bear the sword in vain. That's a technical phrase there, that bearing the sword in vain. It's a technical phrase that refers to capital punishment. And the Bible clearly teaches that God himself instituted capital punishment and gave that authority to the government authorities. So that when a capital crime is committed, God's plan is for capital offenses to be punished in a capital way. Capital punishment, bear the sword. You go, oh, Ed, that's just an Old Testament law. No, it's not at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, you can jot this down in Matthew's gospel, Jesus himself in Matthew, Matthew 26, flip over there. I want you to see this. This isn't just an Old Testament, although there is a theme throughout the scriptures Jesus himself spoke on capital punishment. And you'll see it. It's an amazing thing. Jesus himself instructed us on capital punishment. This is Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47. Remember, this is the time right where Jesus is there. He's being betrayed by Judas. Judas comes up, gives him a kiss. And then verse 51. Pick up with me there. I said 47. Let's go to 51. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Now, who is this guy? Peter. Peter was a much better fisherman than he was a swordsman, man. Because I don't think he was going for the ear. Do you? I think he was going to cut that guy's head off and bam, boom, I got his ear. Got his ear. Got you, Jesus. Got his ear. But then listen, listen. Jesus, his answer is very instructive. Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you know what, Peter? You almost did something that was going to get you killed. You know, Peter, he's going to die in just a few years from this. He's going to be crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus Christ. But he's learning a very important lesson. That Peter, you almost committed a capital offense here, buddy. You pulled your sword out and almost cut that guy's head off. He, you know, and it's probably, I don't know if Jesus is, it must have been a trip for him to pick, go bend over, pick up the ear, right? And put it back on because he healed him. I mean, oh, that would have been amazing. And maybe he's doing healing while he's talking at the same time, you know, giving him instruction. And, and in that, Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, you almost committed a capital offense. And if you commit a capital offense, you know what you can expect? You can expect capital punishment. Again, you can jot it down in Acts. In Acts chapter 25, Paul is there before Festus. He has come under the scrutiny of the Roman government. And Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, the Bible says, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you very well know. And now listen to verse 11. He says, For if if I'm an offender, or I've committed anything deserving of death, I don't object to dying. Here's Paul the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, his whole life being used as a testimony. He says, look, if I've committed a capital offense, you judge me. If I've committed a capital offense, go ahead. I'll receive capital punishment. But he knew he didn't. 
He didn't come against capital punishment. He just said, hey, if, I've, if I deserve it, give it to me. I'll take it. And so we've gone into this in depth in other Bible studies, but understand that the government God has ordained. So now you know why it's so important not only to pray for our officers, to pray for our judicial system, for the judges, the attorneys that litigate cases, that righteousness will be done, that there will be holiness and righteousness, but understand that Jesus alone is the righteous King of Kings. And we need to trust him even if we face a little unrighteousness. We need to commit ourselves to him and let him be our protector. Remember, the Bible was clear in Romans earlier. He says, vengeance is mine, saith who? The Lord. That's right. And we need to trust that truth. Back in Romans now as we wind down. Romans chapter 13, verse 5. Pray for your policemen. Pray for your firefighters. Pray for those doctors and nurses and those that are putting their lives on the front ends and so many other, so many other professions where your life, you know, you're out there on the front lines guarding, protecting our military, and just on and on the list can go. Our lives are here on the earth to affect other people. Our lives are here that even if you may not have one of those jobs, you know, maybe you're a computer programmer, you know, you put your life on the line to be used in that office among your fellow, you know, you drive a truck, now God's taking you all over the place. You know, when you begin to see that you're a minister of God, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, then life becomes very, very exciting. Even staying home and raising the next generation from the Lord. Don't let anyone put down where God has you. Use it for the glory of God. And that's where God will begin to increase your contentment in him. You'll be satisfied with what God is doing in your life. Now, Romans 13, verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. I mean, don't just be subject so you don't want to get in trouble. That's what he's saying. You know, I'll obey the law because I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. That's a great motive, but also for your conscience sake, because unto the Lord you're obeying him. You know, I'll obey the laws of the land just so I stay out of trouble. Great. But also let it be so that you're honoring God and you're obeying God. That's what he's saying in verse 5. And then verse 6, for because of this you also paid taxes. Like you have to change your voice on that. Because of this you also pay taxes. Yes, I know. And notice, they are God's ministers, the tax collectors, attending continually to this very thing. And you're like, yes, the tax collectors never missed a date, ever. And you're like, oh, are you kidding me? Taxes from the Lord? Yes, Jesus paid his taxes. Did you know that? Jesus paid his taxes. He instructed us, Matthew chapter 22. And then it's cool because Peter is confronted by some leaders. They say, hey, does Jesus pay the temple tax? And Peter went to Jesus and Jesus said, yeah. And then you know, what Jesus, you know what Jesus did, right? He sent Peter out and said, go fishing. The first fish you catch, check out what's in its mouth. That's all you need to pay taxes. Take it out and go pay your taxes. And you're like, Jesus, tell me where to fish, would you please, you know? <laughs> is it someplace in the reservoir? What is it, man? Hook me up with one of those fish, but it's not as easy, is it? And so that's, uh, that story's in Matthew chapter 17, as Jesus is dealing with Peter and to go fishing. And we paid our taxes. That's a part of submission. We pay our taxes. I even got this, I get it about every couple months, but I got this forwarded email, you know. Oh, the Christian plan to never pay taxes again, you know, and fill this out and come to this seminar and buy this book, and you too, Mr. Christian, will never have to pay your taxes again. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to meet a lot of my friends there in federal prison too. (laughs) Come on, the Bible's clear. Pay your taxes. Delete that nonsense. 
You get caught up in it. The oppression of taxes in the Roman government was far worse than what you're seeing now. And I know it's like none of us love to pay taxes. None of us do. But even the Bible speaks to something that simple. Pay your taxes. And let God sort it all out. You know, in the Roman government, the taxation system was incredibly... There was no representation. There was no representative government. What Rome said is what you got. That's it. You would pay what you're supposed to pay. And not only that, but they had a, a method of collecting taxes where they'd auction off segments of the community and, and you would bid on it and you'd get this segment and you'd become the tax collector. And, and the way it worked was the tax collector would collect what was necessary for Rome, but if they could get anything above that, they got to keep it. And with the authority of Rome. So they go out and shake people down. Not only for their taxes, but also for more of it. And so that's why when you see the phrase tax collector in the New Testament, they didn't like tax collectors. They especially didn't like Jewish tax collectors that were in cahoots with the Roman government. And the taxes were crazy. I just wrote down a few things that they were taxed on. You know, first of all, the, every Roman citizen had to pay a ground tax. This was a tenth of your grain every year and a fifth of the fruit of your vine. You just automatically had to give that to the government. Not only did you pay a ground tax, but you also paid an income tax. And this was a general 1% of your income. You also paid a poll tax. This poll tax was a tax for breathing. If you were breathing, you paid this tax in the Roman government. For men that were 14 to 65 and for ladies that were 12 to 65. I don't know why the extra two years, I couldn't find an answer on it, but... The ladies had to pay two more years. There was a duty tax that ranged from 25 to 12.5% and all the goods that were imported and exported, anything you bought and brought in or took out, you had to pay taxes on that. There was a, there was a travel tax. So if you were on roads, you had to pay a tax. If you used a bridge, you had to pay a tax. If you entered towns, you had to pay a tax. If you left a town and entered another town, you had to pay a tax. They were just taxes everywhere. You go into the water, water tax. Go into a harbor, harbor tax. You had pack animals, pay a tax on them. If you had wheels on your cart, you paid a tax for all the wheels on your cart. If your cart had axles, you paid a tax on your axles too. And it was on and on. Now it's, it sounds very similar, very familiar to us because the taxation in our country just continues to increase. No matter what people say, you're paying more taxes. And it's just a little at a time, boom, 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 little at a time, always good reasons, but before you know it, you know, not only are you paying taxes, but for the next hundred years and all your kids and grandkids and your great-grandkids are going to be paying the taxes that you agreed upon. Did you know you were doing that to your kids? <laughs> Just kidding. What does the Bible say with all this taxation? Pay your taxes and just trust your life to the Lord. He says in verse 7, Remember therefore, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes, customs to whom customs, Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Can you use the system of our, of our particular government to get more deductions? And pay? Of course. You can do things legally that will reduce your tax burden. Of course, that's how the system works. But believers, we're to live under the system. Think about it this way. When a missionary goes to another country, what rules are they going to follow? That country's. For what purpose? To reach the lost. They're going into a country to live under, you know, for instance, the missionaries we have in Thailand or in China. They're out there under oppressive regimes purposely desiring to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think we're coming into a time in our country where we need to consider ourselves as missionaries to our country. Like we're already here. But to see ourselves as missionaries with a mission mind 
You know the vision of our church. It's one word, evangelism. Everything that we do here, we have to ask ourselves, how will this win a person to Jesus Christ? How will this build a believer up and disciple them in Jesus? How will this motivate and stir people up to go out for Jesus? And if we can't answer those questions, why are we doing it? Why is it a part of our lives? We live and we breathe. The heartbeat of God is our heartbeat. He sent Jesus Christ to the earth to save souls. He sent Jesus Christ into the earth to save you because he loves you. The love of God moved him to send a savior into a world filled with people that need to be saved. You know, our city just waiting to be saved. The only thing is they don't know it yet. They just don't see it yet. People, they're blind, the Bible says. I mean, you, I'm sure, I I remember in a church just like this, sitting way back there as far as I could on that side of the sanctuary, coming in just like many here and listening to the Bible said, I didn't even know I was needed to be saved until the Bible was opened up to me from a pastor and God opened it up. I mean, I used to sit back there and I was like, I don't want to greet anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I definitely don't want to hug anybody, you know. I don't even know why I'm here. Some guy invited me here and I'm here and I'm just, I'll listen to it and I'll go. I I could tell the guy I went to church, but you know what? God had my number and I went back. And you know, I didn't really understand the Bible study, but when the pastor started to talk about the love of God, I got that. God made it alive in my heart. I mean, you could even be here today and you go, there's nothing lovely about me. How could God love me? You know, he does. He can see past that kind of stuff. You know, my life's a mess. It's always been a mess. How could God love me? He sees past that kind of stuff. He sees past the bondage that you're living in. He sees past your blindness. And he shoots arrows right to your heart to reach you. Now, that's why you're here. That's why you're hearing my voice now. That's why you're getting to hear of God's love towards you, that it was made true. It was made real. It was tangible in him sending Jesus Christ to this earth, God in human flesh to live a righteous life for you. And you know, for many of you, you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says you were bought with a price. You belong, I belong to Jesus. And because we belong to him, because we're born again, because our life is not our own, because we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, because God himself has given us the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then our life should be different from those in this world. Our life should be submissive in subjection, respecting authority, appreciating authority, praying for authority, thanking them for stepping in, and then letting God sort all the other things out in our lives, allowing him to be our guard, to be our strength. It's important, please, church, to remember that we're dual citizens. The main reason of our citizenship on the earth is for evangelism. It's to see souls get saved. That'll change our whole thinking. We only have one purpose. There's only a singular goal, and that's to preach the gospel the good news that your life right now can be changed if you'll turn from your sin. That's the problem, right? The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that word all a pretty cool word? All. Well, who does that include, Ed? All. You can look it up in the Greek. You know what the Greek word, you know what the Greek word means? All. True. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pastor Ed Taylor on our responsibility to government. That is to be a witness of Jesus, not only with words, but our actions too. 
Thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. Today, we wrapped up our two-part series on the Christian citizen and government. If you missed any portion, just go online to hear the complete studies. We're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, it's been a timely study here in Romans 13. In recent weeks, we've seen large-scale protests against the police and civil unrest. While there are certainly some in the police profession that do things they shouldn't, as you know, there are also good and godly police officers that serve in our communities. I was wondering if you'd speak a word of encouragement to them right now and even pray for them. You're right, Larry. The last many weeks have been uh, unprecedented chaos and violence in the streets, and there are many voices that are wanting to be heard to the extreme of going against our law enforcement. And there certainly in any profession, there are those that make unwise decisions and those that tarnish, in this case, tarnish the badge. But most policemen and women do not tarnish the badge. They stand in the gap. They protect us. They are upstanding, honorable men and women that have a very, very difficult job. And so if you're a law enforcement officer, if you're a frontline, you work in the jails, you're, you work in the justice system, you're a police officer, a sheriff, wh- wherever you might be, I want to I speak of a word of encouragement to you by saying thank you. Thank you for serving. I know it's hard right now. I know that when some voices are louder than others, some voices are loud, some get drowned out, but you're important. You're an important part of our culture and an important part of our society, and I, should, I, I say thank you. My son was a police officer, an honorable young man who did his best day in and day out to provide the kind of protection uh, to our communities that you're providing, listening probably in your patrol car right now. So thank you. And if, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to consider the claims of Jesus and his great love for you how you are an appointed authority in our society. By God, you are God's messenger, God's servant. Why not become God's daughter and God's son, knowing that you already already represent him in many ways, and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And I'm sorry it's hard for you right now, and it's difficult. I know that trending now among lawyers and, and, listen, even pastors— Uh, Now, uh, policemen and women are in the top five, maybe the top 10, maybe the top five of least respected professions. And I'm sorry about that. And I pray for your protection. I pray that you would walk in wisdom. And I pray that you would be protected and go home at night, which I know is your highest order, your highest goal. You want to protect community. You want to get the bad guys off the street. You want to help. You want to serve. Yes, yes, yes. But I know that every day when you leave the house, you have a goal to get back to the house and to come home alive. So Father, I pray for those that are in law enforcement, in the police profession. It's been a very hard time for them. Uh, They haven't heard a lot of positive things. They haven't heard a lot of encouragement. Um, And I pray that you would encourage them that you would protect them. And if there's a few bad apples out there, please remove them so that the badge will not continue to be tarnished. But even so, God, in any profession, in any, any area, there are always those who make bad decisions and protect us and help us not to broad brush an entire group of people just by the few. So protect those officers out there right now. 
bring them home safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Ed. I'm sure someone listening right now really needed to hear that. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go round, that love is the answer, and that all you need is love. But what is love? And if it's so popular... Why does it seem so hard to find? Allow Pastor Chuck to lead you to the answers in love, the more excellent way. Please call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Romans on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.